Imagine the feeling of pulsing electric shocks. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on the Hot Edgy Couple Network, I mean, it's very, 2022 is the year of the hot, edgy couple. We've had a lot of hot, edgy couple news. It's the Hot Edgy Alternative Couple Network. And a few weeks ago, Kourtney Kardashian got engaged to Travis Barker. Her style has changed. She's part of a hot, edgy couple. Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox hanging out together with Courtney and Travis founded the Hot Edgy Couple Club. And then Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly joined and the four of them hang out in this hot, edgy couple tattooed musical alt club. There's a lot of black worn. It's a lot of sexy skin shown uh, it's just really super edgy. And Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson have joined the Hot Edgy Couple Club. They are now members. Kim is wearing black sweatshirts and leather leggings and just eating pizza and going to Rite Aid and just with Pete Davidson, who's also tatted up. If you're not tatted up and edgy, don't call me back. Kanye and Julia Fox have joined the Hot Edgy Couple Club. It's like the Hot Edgy Couple competition now because you've got Kanye with Julia Fox, who's now the new it person. She's walking at, at, and looking at the paparazzi and saying, fuck off. I'm wearing black dental floss out of my pants and 
you can fuck right off because I met Kanye last night at Jiffy Relationship, went through the drive-thru, and will be engaged within a fortnight. I, I'm sure she has a tattoo. I don't know that she does, but I mean, if she's, if not, she should be getting one soon because she and Kanye are just coming up. They did like the Chia pet of hot, edgy couple relationships. It was like, I met you. I plucked you on New Year's Eve. By Valentine's Day, we're going to be right where Travis and Courtney are because we are part of the hot, edgy couple club and we are coming in on fuego. So there are four couples that are members of the hot, edgy couple club. So... Who's next? Chloe is now single. She's got to find herself a tatted out musician. I don't know what's going on with Kylie. I don't know. She just had a baby, so she really cannot be eligible for the Hot Edgy Couple Club. But I mean, it doesn't have to be just Kardashians, obviously. So many people. But I mean, Hot Edgy Couple is in. Preppy's not in. I don't think like, you know, wealthy hedge fund types are in. I don't think like pretty boy actors are in. I don't think comedians are in. This is just like edgy, hot couple musician. Well, actually, no, Pete Davidson's a comedian, but he's not, he fits better in like the hot, edgy pizza tatted up musician club. Pete's more of like an outlier in the comedy section, but still he's a comedian. So who is next to enter the hot, edgy couple club? I would like to know because it's a big trend and- It's not slowing down anytime soon. First, Travis and Courtney got engaged. Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox recently got engaged. I mean, is Kanye getting engaged to Julia Fox by Valentine's Day? Or, I mean, I do not believe that Kim Kardashian will get engaged. I just don't. I don't think anytime soon. I think she's just having fun. I like this on her. I like this look on her. I just like, she looks like, I'm a billionaire. I've done it. I've done what everybody's wanted me to do. I played the fame game and I won. I'm in the hall of fame of the fame game. I created the fame game. I am the fame game. And now I'm doing the thrifty ice cream pizza game in Staten Island. Because guess what? I won and I'm doing it my way. And Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly got engaged and drank each other's blood, which is very common. I woke up this morning and instead of chocolate almond milk, I put Paul's blood right into that blender with a frozen banana, some protein powder, and some whey protein and chia seeds, and I just drank his goddamn blood because that's what people do now. If you're in the hot, edgy couple club, you drink one another's blood. Get with the motherfucking program. What I think is that these four couples are founding members of the hot, edgy couple club. Just like the Soho House, they're founding members, initial members. That's street cred. They belong. Um... I don't even know if Kim and Pete Pete Davidson are founding members. Travis and Courtney are founding members. Machine Gun Kelly. Yeah, I'll give it to them. Four members. In order to join, you have to A, have a piercing and or a tattoo. B, have some musical talent. Be very interested. Own your own musical instruments, but be very, very interested in the music world or very close and adjacent. C, wear scantily clad sexually provocative clothing. D, drink the blood of your partner. E, be a member of the Kardashian family. We are now accepting applications for the Hot Edgy Couple Club. Apply only if you meet those requirements. Does anybody want the information on how to join the Hot Edgy Couple Club? I am dating a man from Massachusetts who... I do not believe is eligible for the Hot Edgy Couple Club. And frankly, I'm not eligible. So we'll have to live vicariously through all of you. 
My guest today is Kim Pagula. She is the president of the Buffalo Bills and Buffalo Sabres, making her the first woman to be president of an NFL and NHL team. She is also the CEO of her management company, Pagula Sports and Entertainment, along with her husband. They have become titans in the sports world and are also incredible philanthropists. I am fascinated by her life story, from her adoption to her working with her husband to her groundbreaking role in the NFL. You are going to love this one and leave this one inspired and maybe even be a Bills fan. In fact, they just beat the Patriots in an amazing win. And she knew it. She just felt it ahead of time. So from an orphan to being one of the baddest bees in the business, Kim Pagula. Uh, so where are you? I am in Florida. I, I chickened out. I know it's like five degrees up in Buffalo, um, but I'm down here in Florida. This is where we, um, it's, it's our domicile, I guess you could say. So I came here after our regular season win on Saturday. Nice. So where in Florida? In Boca Raton. Oh, okay. So I was going to ask about, uh, I, I just, it jumped off the page reading about you, uh, obviously that you were adopted and your childhood, which I want to get into, but that you never, you wanted to go to Alaska and you couldn't afford it. So you stayed in upstate New York. And that sort of really seems to have navigated your entire life. Like it seems to have been a path that has been very, very clear. So could you tell me a little bit about that? Oh yeah, um, of course. So, you know, when, after I graduated college, you know, I was always like told my parents, I'm I'm not going to get married young. I'm going to like see the world. I'm going to do all these crazy things. And uh, and so going to Alaska, I heard that, you know, you could go there and make a lot of money um, working in a canning factory or some, something, you know, much more than minimum wage uh, here. Whole new place. My my girlfriend and I kind of this grand scheme. Um, I, I think my parents were really worried that I actually was going to do it. Uh, but uh, I actually met somebody that is now my husband. Um a few weeks before that, um, before I, I pulled the plug on that. And so um, I ended up uh, working for my husband um, and the rest is history. So, yeah, those little life decisions that you don't you think are meaningless when you're young sometimes do kind of, you know, give you a path to the rest of your life. So how many years ago was that? That was 30, 91, 30 okay. years ago. Okay, so who's your husband and what was he doing then? And and then let's get into that because wor- working with your husband is one thing. Working with someone you're dating and then marrying them and then being partners in this way is very interesting. Your partner's in everything. So let's talk about that for a second. Oh, yes, yes, definitely. So my husband and I, my husband's name is Terry. Um, he, we are 18 years age different. So I have kids that are older than when, when Terry and I met. So we, I met when I was 21 and he was 39. Wow. That's, 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 I didn't even know that that's, that's controversial back then. Well, and back then 30 years ago was a, it was a, you know, wasn't seen a lot. Now you see a lot no. of it, especially here, yeah. in, especially here in Boca. You see a lot of that in Boca. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. but, um, back then and, um, you know, my, my, uh, my family uh, was a little bit worried. He was divorced, had two children um, of his own and had his own business. Um, he had about 
I'm going to say seven employees at the time when I met him. And um, I think there was, you know, uh, my family come very conservative, um, very faith-based uh, growing up. And so the idea of, of young, and I was the only girl in the family. And so the idea of, of me dating someone uh, that was that much older, who's already divorced, has kids, plus um, the, you know, the age difference and the fact that, you know, I started working for him at the time, um, didn't go over all that well at the, at the beginning. Um, but again, it's been such a, a great journey. Like I said, his business was oil and gas, and that was in Pennsylvania. And that was about, like I said, around seven employees at the time when I came in. And um, I came in only temporarily, uh, but um, kind of, you know, things developed and uh, I choose that path instead of, you know, going to Alaska and, and other things. <laughs> Now, so he had only seven employees, so he was successful, but not, I guess, uber successful. Uh, you can speak. I don't know. The, I actually don't know the answer. But uh, were you judged for that? Did you feel like you had to prove yourself because now you're dating someone older who is successful? Uh, so so how does that all work? How do you do that without being distracted, like doing it for the wrong reasons, wanting to be successful for yourself and not just to show everybody? So how do you navigate that? Oh, all, all of that. Um, I, I will say, even though 30 years ago, it wasn't the success that, that people that know us now um, would see it as. But but certainly, you know, um, you know, he was in control of his own life. And, you know, when you're 21 and out of college, I mean, your life is, is you know, you're at zero, right? Um, mm -hmm. Trying to find a job, waitressing or, or sending out all your your resumes everywhere. So certainly, and I, as I said, the reason I wanted to go to Alaska because, you know, I wanted to see the world, wanted to see, you know, have a, whatever, have a career and do all these things. Um, and then I ended up settling <laughs> really, you know, locally um, in this small town where his business was. Um, of course, you know, when, when I came to work for him, I started out at, at that point, he was doing some investor relations. So he was drilling oil and gas wells in Pennsylvania, but then was raising funds um, for that. And so I was kind of his like marketing communications liaison. And, and at that time, that really wasn't even a role that most you know, companies, and especially one of his size really had. Um, but yeah, I would be, you know, I would be plotting charts, you know, back then computer and, and iPhones and all this stuff, technology was not, was not uh, as big. And so I would be, you know, hand plotting charts, I would be taking out the garbage, I'd be doing basically, you know, kind of whatever was needed um, at, at the time. And so, of course, I never wanted to say no, because to your point, you know, you're just trying to kind of prove yourself and, making sure that people realize, well, you know, I have some value. It's not just the girlfriend, um, uh, you know, to say probably wasn't easy. But um, but, you know, I I grew up where I had a really good sense of myself. Um, and I think that's where it really, you know, I don't want I don't know if it's confidence. I don't know if it's just um, had a good set of, of really core values that I felt like, OK, as long as I felt I was doing the right things for the right reasons. Um, then, you know, what others perceived of me was, um, you know, I didn't really care. I do remember that um, he had a friend, which I, we've lost touch a long time ago, but he <laughs> he bet us that we would not, our relationship would not last, um, I think for like nine months that are, you know, at that he bet us like a, a trip somewhere, exotic trip somewhere that our relationship wouldn't last nine months. Um, so going on, let's see, 20, we're at 29 years now. Um, we, we certainly beat that odd. 
Did you get the trip? No, we lost touch and, you know. That's um, annoying. Yeah, you should call him up and tell him he owes you a trip. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't like that. I would, I'll would. i take the trip. I'll call him up and tell him you said you'd give it to me. I get the trip. The funny part, too, is, is uh, Bethany, is, is, you know, I'm wife number two, right? Okay. So there's, you know, um, obviously, I know divorce, uh, unfortunately, is commonplace uh, now. But even 30 years ago, is is more of an up and coming trend. Right. You know, he was married for 17 years beforehand. And I thought at that time, I was like, oh, my gosh, how do you beat 17 years of marriage from, wow. you know, someone else? And so that was kind of like another thought that was a little bit more, um, I, I guess, against me. But um, but, you know, like I said, we're at 29 right now. So but when that day came, when it was like when we hit our 17th anniversary, I was like super excited. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. 17. I'm like, moved, I moved from from uh, from wife number two up back up to wife number one. That's amazing. And yeah, and you didn't need to work. You chose to work. That says a lot anyway. Um, how did you both get into owning sports teams? And um for example, I know I've met Robert Kraft and he told me about he and his wife decided to get well, actually, no, he came home and told his wife he had bought the Patriots and it was for not a big number considering what sports teams are worth now. And I think she was probably nervous about it, but um, it ended up being an amazing investment. It used to be sort of that owners did it sort of like owning horses is like a passion project, but it wasn't necessarily a business unto itself. I also know Steve Cohen, who owns the Mets. And, you know, it's a whole juggernaut business. So I'm sort of interested in that. What made you, it used to be a vanity project and not and not a business, in my opinion. And it's really a major, major business now. So how did that whole thing get started? And am I correct or am I incorrect? Yeah, no, you know what? Uh, you're correct. And I think it, like with anything in life, you know, a little luck and timing also goes along with it. Um, at that point, our, um, my husband had sold his business and, you know, we took maybe a year off, but, you know, we are not people that just can sit around and, and really do nothing. And one of the things, you know, even the first day I, I met him, um, he was a season ticket holder. Um, he was a hockey fan of the Buffalo Sabres at the time. And um, we would that would be date nights. We drive up and his uh, his kids used to live in Buffalo as well. So. Going to Buffalo um, was a, you know, was a weekly thing. And then especially attending um, hockey games at that time. Going from where? Where were you going from? We were in a town called Olean, New York, which is about maybe, um, I'm going to say an hour and 10 minutes south of of Buffalo. So you guys are small town people, ultimately. People, yes. Yes. Very small town. Interesting. Um, And so so we were always attending um, sporting events, um, especially uh, hockey games. And then at that time really is when the Bills... um, kind of really made their big um, Super Bowl runs the four years. So so football, um, you know, obviously big in, in the Buffalo, Western New York area. Um, and so, you know, that was always, you know, part of us really starting out just as a fan. Um, and then when, you know, we were like thinking, OK, what are we going to do with the second half of our life? Um, he, you know, we said, wow, we always want to own a sports team. And so we actually bought the hockey team first. Um, OK. And then. At that time, when we bought the hockey team, there was actually a rule that the NFL no longer has where you're not allowed to have two. um, You you can't have two professional teams um, that are not in the same market. So meaning that the only team that we could because we already had uh, the Buffalo Sabres and the National Hockey League, the the only team football, if we ever wanted to get into football, uh, was going to be in Buffalo. 
So you had literally, you could only buy one team in your own hometown. So it's limited choice. The rule no longer exists, but it did at the time. Um, and honestly, uh, back then, you know, the bills, um, you know, we did not think about the bills when we bought the hockey team. But then after we bought the hockey team and we were spending more time up there and then, uh, of course, kind of that whole um, the idea kind of came to light, and especially with the passing of the previous owner who had only been the owner of the team since inception. Um, so we, you know, we really said to ourselves, there's only 32 of these teams like. It, this opportunity, especially one that's in our current market that we could crazy for, um, only comes, you know, once in a lifetime, if at all. Um, and so we decided to make the jump. And I, I do remember, you know, my husband saying to me, though, like, listen, we we both have to be on board and I, I'm going to need you to be, you know, uh, to be a big part of this because I can't do this myself. Um, and so he actually, it's a lot of work. My friend, Alex Cohen works on the Mets, works on the Mets Fund. It's a job for her as much as, I mean, it's a big, it's a lot of work. So it's most people probably think it's just like a cute thing. Oh, I own a sports team. It is a business. You know, usually, you know, the wife just gets, you know, is, isn't really, um, into the operations of the team. Um, usually it's more the husband. Um, but I, I remember him, I remember we were talking with our attorneys and our accountants and talking through some of the legalities and, you know, they said, well, okay, how do you want the, the ownership to be split? Um, do you want it to be a hundred percent Terry or how does the, how does it Between work? Between the two of you, you're saying? Yes. Yes. How do we legally? Well, let me, oh, hold on. Before you get there, this is an interesting question because without being sensitive, it sounds like you guys are going to be together the rest of your lives. So you're out of those woods. But back then, how many years ago was that? Oh, so that was what, um, about eight years ago? So eight years ago. Okay, so you're now talking about a professional sports team. So it's an asset. So you're having like sort of, it's sort of like a prenup of a sports team conversation in the middle of your marriage. Yeah. So explain, so now I just wanted to frame that that way because it's, you're not just the cute little wife that's going to help out. You're now a partner in this team. So uh, that is interesting to yeah, me. Yeah, and when we bought the hockey team, uh, we were we were in a, a, I don't know why, we were trying to get it, pass through pretty quickly. So one of the ways that we did that was just um, because my husband had the quote bigger asset because of um, because of the company that was in his name beforehand. And so even though I had worked at the company for I, I can't since I met him um, for multiple years, um, he so the hockey team actually ended up being in his name 100 percent. Right. OK. No issues. I honestly didn't really care. Um, okay. But, and so when actually the football came around, I just assumed that that was going to be the same. And my husband's like, no, just let's make it 50 50. Um, it was his idea. And you know what? To me, like you said, we're going to be here together for the rest of our lives. And we had already gone through, um, you know, the, what I thought at the time was the bigger um, humps in, the, in our in a marriage. And so I didn't think anything of it. I didn't realize until it, it got public that that was a big deal. Um, oh. when we, had, you know, when it got announced that we had purchased the Buffalo Bills, um, and there was a 50, 50% ownership, um, you, you get viewed so much differently. You get really, you get viewed as the partner. So you're a baller. You became a boss bitch baller. Even at the, even at the league level, and there's only really one controlling owner, um, who has to have, you know, 30% of the team. Um, so he is the controlling owner. But um, but because of that 50 50 kind of ownership, like, you know, I am I am there all the time. I mean, I deal with the league. They view me as as owner, even though I'm not, like I said, the 
you know, we've got two representatives of the club. Um, but that was a big deal. Um, and I didn't, I didn't think of it at the time, but it really was a big deal to the outside world um, on the ownership there. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The virus that causes shingles is sleeping in 99% of people over 50. It's lying dormant, waiting, and it could reactivate at any time. And while not everyone at risk will develop shingles, it strikes as a painful, blistering rash that can last for weeks. Think you're not at risk for shingles? It's time to wake up, because shingles could wake up in you. If you're over 50, talk to your doctor or pharmacist about shingles prevention. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Am I allowed to know numbers just so people can understand how the business has changed, what it was purchased for and what it's worth now? That's all public information? Yes, we purchased it for, yes, public, um, we purchased it for $1.4 billion back okay. in uh, 94, I believe. Okay, and what's it worth now? It's worth what someone's going to um, pay you for. So I actually, I don't know what that is. But based on other teams, like what are teams like that getting now? Like um, I, you know what, honestly, Bethany, I hate to say it cause I really don't know. Okay. Um, I don't know either. I'm not like baiting you into something. I don't actually. In terms of our market, um, and you know, part of the history of the team itself, um, we're, we're, we're called the, the bottom quartile among the other clubs. So in terms of market size, revenue, things like that, um, we're, we're at the bottom. So our value probably is a lot different, obviously than say the Cowboys or the Patriots, uh, due to. The championships that they've had as well so in the city that they're that they're in so honestly i i really can't tell you a number but do you think it's a great business do you feel like it was a good business purchase has it been a successful business for you oh um oh no i definitely i remember when at the time you know everything was done and we we had a, a company allen and company that was kind of negotiated on our behalf um of the deal and you know everything was set but but you know, the price, right? Like it's a blank line. Okay. What is your actual bid? Cause this was really a, um, a bid process. So you're bidding against other people. And, uh. um, and it was just like, okay. And I remember, you know, I'm saying, listen, at, at 1.2, we feel that, um, and this is, you know, Alan and company, this is kind of our, our representative saying, um, at 1.2, we think, you know, about, we're 90, 92% sure that you'd win the bid at, at 1.2. At 1.4, we're 100% sure you're going to win the bid. Um, and and we said, you know what? I'd rather go with the odds of 100%. <laughs> and so, you know, I guess, you know, some may say we overpaid at that time. And I do remember, um, fortunately, he's no longer with us. But Bob McNair, who was the owner of the Houston Texans at the time, was one of the, um, the league's owner that we had talked to in this whole process of, of buying the team. And he said... You know, I know you're going to, whatever you bid on it, you're going to think that you spent way too much money, but I will tell you that in a few years, you realize you didn't. Um, and he was, and he was right. Well, that's an interesting investment style. So you're talking about a lot more money than the people listening have to spend. But I remember I purchased a house in the Hamptons years ago and I had an accepted offer and I didn't know that much about residential real estate then. And I didn't know anything like I know now it was the second purchase I'd ever made. And um, I had an accepted offer and we didn't get the contract in right away. And of course, that real estate broker, because they can be the most challenging people in the world, uh, business wise and ethics wise, shopped the house to other people using my my offer as a, you know, as a stalking horse. And they um came back and said, this other person is willing to pay. And I think it was like $275,000. And I was furious. I was emotional. I didn't want, I, I'm not doing this because I felt taken. I didn't like that feeling. But I remember my friend saying in several years, if you think the house is amazing and you think it's great value in several years, you're not going to remember that money. And that was a lot, that's a lot of money. But I, it's totally true. The house is worth probably 
two and a half times or two and a quarter times what it was worth then. So sometimes you can't, you have to not be emotional and so literal about these business decisions. If you know, you got to make quick decisions and you can't think that way. So it's the very small version of what you're talking about, but yeah, I get well, that. Well, you know, the Hamptons is, it, it is a, you know, it, there's only so many homes in the Hamptons, right? And it's such a desirable place. And same with, you know, an NFL club, there's not that many of them. They don't always come on the market. And I could, like, you know, I said before, timing um, and a little luck sometimes, you know, has to go your way. I don't think that anyone who has been successful can say that it was all just based on on work. I mean, there is there's always a little bit of luck and timing that goes with it. But it sounds like decisiveness, too. So, like, for example, um, and having a little bit of courage. I had another place in New York City. And to your point, I thought the place was amazing. It had such potential for a renovation. And... It was, I said, full price, I'll pay. I didn't make an offer. I just said, I'll pay. I didn't want to risk. There might've been nobody else looking at it. It was a very problem apartment. But when you want something in business, you can't play around because if it's something like the a, a team for you in one town where you only have one choice, or if it's an apartment or if it's a business deal, sometimes you just have to say, I have to have the courage to just make the decision right now and know the value. And that is worth, about 50% more now. So those decisions can be good. It can't be penny wise and dollar foolish. Well, and, and you know, I am a big advocate of, of sports, whether it's, it's not just in professional, but whether it's, you know, when you're little in, in high school, college, um, my oldest daughter, our oldest daughter, Jessie is a professional tennis player. And so we have kind of really spent a lot of our married life um, in that sports realm. Um, we before that, we used to be a partner in in a football agency uh, where we represented clients. Um, so we you know, we uh, we donated um, hockey, uh, an arena at Penn State, my husband's alma mater. So we have always been involved in the sports um, aspect of it. So, again, you know, where, like you said, opportunity, the passion that we have for uh, for sports, um, the timing of everything. And then, again, um, being fortunate to, you know, all the hard work. Um, we thought was done um, when building up the business that we were able to sell to provide us the resources to buy the the um, football and the hockey team. But um, but yeah, not realizing a lot more work <laughs> was ahead of us. But um, but yeah, I totally agree with you on that. You well, also it's it's on brand. You're involved in sports. You're involved in your community. You're involved in what I mean is it's on brand that. Everything you're doing is sort of in that area where you grew up, where you have roots, where you know people, where you know who to trust and you're you're trusted there and you're, that's your community. And it's all on brand to sort of be in all aspects of sports and your philanthropy is connected to sports because it's okay to make whatever your philanthropy is connected to your business, meaning it's just not all, you're adhering to the line and all of it is on brand. It's cohesive. You're not just choosing... To, to, to make a difference in a charity that has nothing to do with everything else that you do, because then it's more easier for people to understand the narrative of what you do, I feel. Yes, no, definitely. And listen, you know, obviously, I do think that when you're doing uh, charitable giving, um, that it, it does lend to what you're really passionate about and something that has meaning for you. Um, and again, like I said, because of 
of what we've seen and experienced raising an athlete of our own and and the folks that we have um and and i've seen firsthand like if you, if you come to a game i mean i i just i have so many memories and experiences of of what football what hockey what's and even sports um does to bring a family together, to bring friends together, to bring a community together. It's part of the American way of life, uh, really. But yes, as an individual, you know, we've seen it firsthand, the intangibles and the importance of health and wellness and taking care of your body, things that, you know, when I was younger, I never thought of. But, um, but you know, athletes these days, just how important it is to them. So um, I, I'm a huge advocate that, you know, sports is such a... Um, you know, a positive influence in many, in so many ways. And it, it crosses gender, it crosses age, it crosses communities. Um, so, I mean, that's just, it's, it's easier to, to sell a brand, as, as you said, that you're passionate about. Do something where you can really have an impact. I used to donate to several different charities thinking that was good to spread it out. And then someone said to me, you should be focusing on one thing where you can really create the most impact. And we've done incredible things with disaster relief all over the world. So I, I agree. And that's on brand for me too. It's sort of like pulling a quick business together and just executing relief, uh, you know, a relief effort in, in no time. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Imagine a sharp, stabbing pain on your skin. Sounds like a nightmare, right? While individual experiences may vary, it's how some people describe shingles. This painful blistering rash could interrupt your life for weeks. It could even force you to cancel social events or weekend plans. Over 99% of adults 50 years or older already carry the virus that causes shingles. One in three people will get it in their lifetime. Why wait? Ask your doctor or pharmacist about shingles today. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about your childhood a little bit, because that's jumps off the page. I mean, you definitely did not have a traditional childhood. You don't have a basic story. So it sounds um, scary and a little lonely. And and you must have had so many questions growing up. So can you describe um, your upbringing, your start to this crazy life? Yeah. So um, my crazy life. Um, um, so basically, I, you know, was born in South Korea. Um, and was adopted really by this actually a, a, a set of a Canadian family who had moved to the U.S. Um, my adoptive parents um, actually had to become U.S. citizens in order for for them to adopt me. And if you you know we talk about thirty years ago, but you know we're talking way way longer. Uh, yeah. You know you didn't have emails and you weren't like you know didn't have. Um, phone calls and your cell phone and all those things. And so my parents, you know, wanted to adopt um, a girl from from South Korea or actually they, I think they would just want to adopt anybody. And uh, and they were mailing back and forth. And um, and so I was actually born in South Korea. I was left um, at the doorstep of a police station at that time. That's like This Is Us. That's like the show This Is Us, which we're watching with Brent. You know what? I have not seen that show. It's the same. The guy was dropped off at a fire station. Was, okay. All right. I have yeah. not seen okay. that, that show yet. And I like. Okay. I keep thinking, okay, I need to binge this show because I've heard such great things about it. Uh, but I yeah. haven't started yet. So don't ruin it for me. But, I won't. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but adoption's a big part of it in, in multiple situations. Okay. Sorry. So then I was adopted and I, and I need, I'm going to go ahead before I jump back. Because yeah. I did go to Korea for the first time since I was born um, about, I'm going to say, three years ago and, um, and found out some really great stuff. So I, I did find out that, OK, I was dropped off at the orphanage. Um, I thought I was dropped off as a baby, but actually I was dropped off when I was roughly around four, four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a life before I got dropped off. Right. Um, and then I was only in the orphanage for a short period of time. I, I think I believe then they usually what the police would do is they would bring you to an orphanage and you would stay there for, um, you know, like six months in case the, the parents came back. Right. Um, wow. And so but in order for that, me to be um, in the orphanage as an orphan, um, I had to have a name and I had to have a birthday. So they would make one up at four. That's interesting that it wouldn't you wouldn't. 
know what your name was before. I yeah, I I don't remember. And and when I got dropped off, I didn't. There was no name, no address, no nothing. And so they just guessed on my birthday and they and they made up my my name, which I just, I found that out like three years ago. So oh I, my I didn't God. realize that. Yeah. So. I keep telling my family that I'm actually a year younger than I actually am, but yes, but, uh, but I, you know, I, but I, my birthday is what I've always celebrated since then. So it's going to be hard to change my birthday, but, but yeah, that was an interesting that I, one that I had a life before I, um, before I was adopted and, or before I was, went to the orphanage. Um, and then the fact that, you know, kind of my identity, as you could saw, could say that most people rely on is their, when they were born and what their their name was um is completely made up by someone who i have no clue who they are so um that was an interesting uh factor that i found out a few years ago that sounds emotional you know what it, it was it was weird i don't know why i always felt that i was uh i thought i was a baby i don't i don't know why i never even it never rang and i said to my dad because he actually came my adopted dad actually came on the trip with me and um and he said well you you really never asked any questions and we would try to tell you, but you just, you didn't really want to know anything. So I said, okay, I just, you know, um, but, you know, I think really a credit to, I think, you know, my family, my parents, I had two older brothers um, at the time um, of, of just creating such a great loving home that, um, that just raised me like, you know, like their own. And, um, of course, you know, yes. it just, it, um, and so I never felt the need to, go find my parents, never felt the need uh, to go, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have that longing. And, and honestly, and, and going back to Korea, I, I had it so good. Why, why would I want to know? Um, right. Because, you know, the life that, and, and I tell people all the time, you know, if they ask me, well, what, you know, what, what is one thing that you can point to that has led to your success or to where you are now, whatever. And I always say, it has to be my parents because they, mm -hmm. they chose me um, to be part of their family. And just to think where would I be now? Um, I did get an opportunity to go back to it wasn't exactly the same orphanage, but the same um, wow. company that um, that did it. And so, you know, you saw kids in that same orphanage that was literally the same situation I was in. And wow. it was just crazy to think, OK, wonder where they will be, in, you know, in 50 years, 30 years. Um, because, you know, I, like I said, being adopted is the single most important part of, of my life right now. Um, Interesting. It, it just, it, it put me into a complete path that, um, you know, I, I can say I wouldn't even have the opportunity to be on the path that I'm at now, uh, without the adoption. Wow. That's so amazing. And just that, because I think my daughter who's 11 remembers before, four and five. So I wonder if you have flashes or if you'll be hypnotized or if you'll be dreaming and some weird flash will happen. I've, I've had, I've talked to people that, cause I, I, I love health and wellness and kind of the biohacking and all that stuff. I'm, I'm always like into that stuff. And I've had people that say, um, recently, uh, something about like, you can actually pass on trauma that you, even if you don't remember yeah. it, um, through generations, which I did not realize that 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 could happen, but they said you actually can pass on trauma um, through generations and and doing things like you know hypnosis and and other you know reiki and other things can help. But 
I don't know. I just have never. I, I. You may not want to poke the bear in the zoo. Yeah, I just. I've been yeah. happy with my life that I. I'm like, yeah. okay, why do I want to invite unknowns? I, you know, I. I, I agree. Have no bad will against you know my birth parents. I have no bad will against. South Korea or just so I, I've been um, I agree. resisting it. I understand that. Like someone talked about going back because she had to figure out stuff and she had a lot of trauma in her life and doing ayahuasca. This uh, woman who was on here who's amazing, uh, who's climbed the seven summits. But it's it's opening Pandora's box and not everyone wants to do that. There are many areas in my life where I am always nervous to do that because I don't need to go back and see everything. So I think that's an interesting conversation. But it's also very television and Hollywood movie to make it like everybody who's adopted is always just longing for their long lost parents. And you're an example that that's not always the case. The last topic, I guess, is I guess your partnership overall, it's a relationship partnership, it's a business partnership. So what are the tenets or, you know, what are the, what are the, the rules and the tips and the things that you've learned over the years that make a partnership work? in marriage and a long successful relationship you know I, um you're probably gonna laugh and, and my kids you know laugh when i when i say that when people ask me that question and and i <laughs> and i say you know what agree on what your expectations are of each other beforehand mm -hmm. um you know and and i laugh to my kids i'm like, listen you know i don't expect anything from your dad therefore i am always you know surprise i'm always excited if he goes over that level of expectations but i don't expect 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 it so therefore i don't get upset um now i realize you know not everyone can you know put that bar that low um but i said well as long as you guys and, and my actually my oldest daughter has played got married this uh this year and i said that you know you all if you can come to an agreement on what is expected if i expected my husband to be you know home every night at five o'clock to take out the trash, to plan this, to do our budgets, to do, you know, other things, um, I would be upset and disappointed all the time and not be happy. Uh, mm -hmm. But knowing um, but knowing what I can expect for him and then um, when he does something unexpected, it's just a nice surprise. Um, so I, I think a lot of times that's what usually happens when, you know, friends um, are talking or complaining about their spouse or boyfriend or things like that. Usually it's because they're, you know, what one expects of the other is not in alignment. Um, so from a marriage standpoint, I think that's that's big. But I know people have always said to me, like, oh, my gosh, how could you spend you know, work with your husband and like you're all the time, you do the same thing. Um, it's not for everybody, but it really for us, um, you know, and I think I'm going to give him the credit for it because he was older. I'm younger. I can be a little bit more molded. Uh, but, you know, he really set that that expectation of us being partners, um, even from day one, even from when I was, you know, 21, 22. We got I got married at 23. Um, even when I was 23 year, years old, um, that idea that we were, we were partners. And so everything he involved me in everything that he did now was mm -hmm. I, you know, certainly there's other people that he had that were more experts, whether you're talking legal, accounting, finance, whatever, mm -hmm. but, um, but he was never, never afraid to share all that with me, to have me in meetings, even right now in hockey meetings, football meetings, drafts. I, I am there. And um, and he set that tone right from from day one of being there. And I and when people talk to me and especially women about being a, a woman and a female in a male dominated, you know, um, area like sports, um, I always tell them, listen, listen, it's not an opportunity to bash men because 
We all need them in some way and they can be mm-hmm. your biggest advocate. You got to find the right ones. But mm-hmm. I know that my husband has been the, the biggest advocate uh, for me and has taught me so many things. Um, um, and really that started with him just, you know, actually accepting me as as a true partner, um, no matter what the percentages are, you know, of, of yeah. anything. It's just um, and wanting me to be in those conversations, in those meetings, knowing the information Um, now, unfortunately, there's so much to do that I don't have time to be in those conversations anymore and and I have to prioritize. Um, but he's, like I said, from day one to even today, like there's no, um, you know, like I'm not, it's not that I'm not invited to anything that he is is a part of and it doesn't matter if it's football or if it's business or, um, whatever it is. You feel totally respected in your relationship and your partnership. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, it was amazing to talk to you uh, and so interesting. I get to learn so much each time I have a conversation like this. So congratulations on all of your success personally and professionally. Well, thank you, Bethany. appreciate being on the show. And we have a big game this weekend on Saturday night at 8.15. So I'm um, hoping for a big win and to continue our playoff run. Fantastic. Well, hopefully I'll get to meet you in person one of these days, maybe at a game or otherwise. Anytime, except it will be five degrees. So you may want to pick another game. Well, I'll go to an away game. There you go. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Bethany. That was a really interesting conversation. That's a woman who started with unfortunate circumstances and is really appreciative of her life and has managed to have a successful business and personal relationship with her husband, raise a great family, and just really chooses to work and chooses to create value as a woman and be taken seriously. And not that many women, owners of NFL teams. So that's pretty cool. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.